Thank you for choosing Miniaturist of Baptist Church podcast. We hope you benefit from this message. If you'd like to learn more about Miniaturist of Baptist Church, please visit our website at miniaturistachurch.org. Sunday, October 31st, we have people from our church that uh, are going to share testimonies. And we started this a few uh, months ago on a fifth Sunday. And I think January has a fifth Sunday. So if you would be interested in sharing your testimony, and basically a testimony is just, this is the way I was, God got a hold of me, and this is the way I am now. That's kind of briefly what a testimony is. And so we've got three people that are going to share their testimonies this morning. Uh, Kathleen is going to be first, then Adam, and then Karen. So Kathleen, come on up here. Kathleen first told me, she said, no, I'm not going to do it. And then, and then I think maybe the Lord convicted her or something because then she said, she tapped me on the knee and she said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so, uh, she said she was a little bit nervous, but these are your friends. So they, they, these are your friends and they can't wait to hear how the Lord has been working in your life. All right, Kathleen. <laughs> The good thing, when I put my glasses on, I can't see any of you. <laughs> so a little bit about me. I was raised um, in, a, in a large Irish Catholic family and um, went, to, went to the Catholic Church. And um, my parents were um, more focused on just raising, you know, nine kids. They didn't really get involved with the church at all. And um, and I did. I I think even from an early time, I was looking for something. You know, I always felt like I had a, a hole in my heart, and I was always looking for something to fill it up. And so I think back then I started I started um, by teaching the youth in the in the Catholic Church, teaching catechism. When, and when I was 19, my mom died in a car accident, and it was really, uh, she was like my best friend. I was really shy, so it, she was really the only person that I had to confide in about things. So it was, it was very, very difficult. I, I felt like God had deserted me at that time, and so I walked away from the church. Um, and instead of going to God... I walked away from God back then and probably went on a bad path. I chose, chose alcohol to get me through things, and eventually I ended up uh, meeting a man and getting married and having two kids and uh, moved up to Chaska. Um, so I raised the kids in Chaska, which is kind of close by here. So... <laughs> um, We joined a Lutheran church. It was a little bit different, but basically it was the same. It felt like I had kind of come home, you know, going to the Lutheran church, uh, except, you know, maybe not as much kneeling and, you know, up and down. <laughs> so it was, it was a little bit different that way. But um, my husband traveled a lot, and when he wasn't traveling, he worked long, long hours. And we ended up just... Um, growing apart too much where we ended our marriage and the kids were teenagers at the time and it wasn't long after that that I met Bob Um, 
Raybine, who's my husband. <laughs> and you all know. <laughs> um, at that time, I, I had um, unfortunately gone the same route. I, I had chosen, um, instead of going to God again, I, I ended up uh, um, relying on alcohol to kill the pain that I felt. So I started um, going to AA, and in that, what I found was they had a higher power. And that higher power was whatever you chose it to be. So if you were angry with God, it didn't matter, you know. You could, you could rely on the higher power to, to take care of whatever your problems were. So I started there, and after a while realized that I would go to church with Bob, and there was God here. And so I had two different gods in my life is what I found. And I understood that that wasn't okay, and that I needed to try to get these two gods to, you know, to gather back together to find out who was God. And, and that's when I think I was well on my way to um, starting to believe in, in God of the Bible, but I hadn't picked up a Bible yet and read it. I mean, I would hear a Bible study in church, but really never picked up a Bible at that point to hear it. And it was at this time that my son Justin, who was 25, he, we found out he, he had brain cancer. And it was in the process of bargaining with God um, to heal him that, that I learned um, that God has planned. He has planned for all of our lives and that he had a plan for Justin and um, what I prayed to God for was to help me to uh, be more like Justin to accept God's plan and um, you know do what it was that I was supposed to do in my life and after he died he had given me a Bible so I know I set that Bible on my table and looked at it, but I never opened it up. And eventually, I opened that Bible up and started reading it and discovered pretty fast that I wasn't able to really understand. I, I, I could hear God, but I wasn't really able to understand. I mean, the wrath in the Old Testament was very scary to me. It was... Uh, I just feared that I would never be able to uh, to earn God's grace. <laughs> because when I first started reading, I thought that's what you had to do, you know. And um, I had a friend back then who uh, had never been in a church. She had never been raised in a church. And she wanted to support me going through um, the grief that I was feeling on losing Justin. And so she, so I started picking her up on Sunday mornings and went to, we went to church at Friendship Church. We started going there in uh, the May after Justin died in March, and we started going there in May. 
And I wanted her, I started, I started focusing on her because I thought, well, you know, God wants her to be able to hear his story. She had never, she didn't know who Jesus was. She didn't know that Jesus, you know, died for us on the cross. And, and I didn't either. I was learning that at the time. I mean, I, I knew it, but I didn't really know it. You know, I didn't know what that meant. And, and so it was really helpful for me going with her and I learned then I started learning a little bit about Jesus and um, and so for the next year and a half we went to Friendship Church and in November of 2008 I confessed my sins and I accepted Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior and I was baptized and it was it was one of the best days of my life <laughs> when that happened it was like, I felt like, um, uh, just a, my whole heart opened up. And I still, I still didn't always understand that, you know, that, that I was, it was God's grace that brought me here. I, I still didn't really understand. It took me a long time to figure out the sin part, how, um, I, re, I remember saying to the Lord one night about sin, um, well, I'm not really that bad, you know, it's, and, and the Lord blasted me for the next three or four hours with things that I had not looked at, things that I had to take care of yet. And I was like, okay, please, thank you, Lord. You know, it was just, he gave me that. He gave me that understanding that day. And it was the beginning of my life. So... The one, play, the one um, Psalm 4610 was one of my first, when I opened up the Bible the first time, it was the first, it was the first verse I saw. So, and it said, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And why that is so special is I, I have always had a hard time to be still and not, not, not to argue, you know, not to, I need to, <laughs> I needed to learn how to be still and to just listen to God and, and what he said, say yes, Lord, you know, you're, you're correct. It's, you know, it's not for me to determine. So it, that was a, that was one of the good starts. And I found a big help to me was Bob's family, Bob and Bob's family. His his mother Pat especially she she always kind of prodded me and pushed me in the right direction and um, she was patient very patient and um, I think she knew in the end that uh, that I would find my way with the help of the church and staying in this church has really been good for me I know we've got a few people here like Phyllis who. <laughs> Her and her husband used to prod us a little bit and talk to me and Bob about <laughs> about um, taking care of our lives and getting getting in with God and yeah. So anyway, so with that, I think that's all I have to say. So thank you. <laughs>
So that's what everyone looks like. Hello. So my name's Adam Chandler, and most of you, but not all of you, already know my name. And I've been a member of this church for, I'd say, about eight years. I haven't really kept track. But um, today I'm going to talk about my salvation. And it wasn't but a few weeks ago that Pastor John reached out to me and said, Adam, would you like to do about a 10-minute talk on your salvation? And like usual, I'm not really listening to him. He's... And I said, yes. And then I had this inner voice say, do you know what you just said yes to? And I was like, no, he's talking. I just sometimes I say, "Uh uh-huh, and sometimes I say yes. So I started to think about it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is really personal stuff that I'm sharing with my church family. And I'm like, do I want to do that? Like going out in public and doing it one-on-one with people and reaching out and trying to help them. But here, is it really important? Because everybody that I'm going to talk to is saved, already saved. And then I'm like, no, no, they're not already saved. Some aren't. Some, most might be or most are, but there always could be one that isn't. And there always could be somebody that could take something that we all have to say and share it with somebody else that helps that person. So then, what's that voice in my head? Is that the Holy Spirit talking to me? I don't know. But all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm on board. This is important. Now, what did, what did John just say? I heard him mumbling about something. He was probably saying the exact same thing. I don't know. Right? So sometimes John looks over at me and he does this. <sighs> But, no, that's not quite true. So, this is very important that we all take our turn when we find it appropriate and it works and we share our story. And I'm going to share today with you my story. So, after I saw how important, I felt inside how important this is, that we share our our salvation with others, I, I had a hard time putting it together. Because I wanted to make it about how I wanted to put it together, how I wanted to tell the story. So I'm like, okay, over here you have your introduction, you have your conclusion, and in the middle you have the, your story, right? And I'm like, I'm going to piece this together and it's going to be my way. And I'm going to do it with the, I'm going to do it with Peter and James, and I really like Matthew, so I'm going to, and everything I did fell apart. Everything I did fell apart. And then after a while in prayer, Something came to me and it said, don't be ridiculous. Go ask Pastor John how he would do it. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. So he did. You texted me. And he said, you got four things. You got the before, when it happens, you got the after, and you got where you're at now. And I'm like, you had an introduction and a conclusion. That's six paragraphs. We can write up. We can do ten minutes, no problem. Whew, that was good. And that worked because that wasn't about me now. That was about the Holy Spirit working on me, trying to tell me to step aside so the Holy Spirit can work. So now I've got these little compartments that I can fill my story into. And that's what I'm about to do, okay? So the before is this. I was born October 1st, 1964. So I was a fall baby. And I was born into, uh, well i got to count. I had seven siblings, so there was eight of us kids with the, with the mom and the dad. 
And we lived on a little farm in Iowa, 80 acres. And we did what all little farmers do. You know, you grow corn and soybeans and you got honeybees and you got chickens and turkeys and whatever. We did all that stuff. And my parents believed in driving old, broke-down stuff. I don't know they believed it, but when you have eight kids, you're going to live poor, right? You're just not going to live with fancy stuff. So I, I grew up with toolboxes in the back of every vehicle, right? So some of you can relate to that. So here I am growing up in this Catholic family, and my dad was the head of the household. My dad was not like... Wishy-washy, he was the head of the house. And this is how my dad was the head of the house. Now, you might be like, my dad walked around and, and marched orders. My dad was the head of the house because at night before he went to bed, he got on his knees and prayed. He didn't do that when he felt like it. He did that every night. You know? That's how my dad was the head of the house. My mom was the neck. My mom could turn the head. But those two were in unison. There was no, well, I'm going to trick dad into helping me because mom said no. Those two were, those two, if those two ever did not fully connect, I never saw it. That must have been done in private when they had a discussion because as far as I know, those two were 1,000%. The two become one. I grew up in that. And I wonder to this day if some of those child lessons weren't helpful to me to where I'm at now. No, to see, to see a mom and dad maybe have struggles but step back and privately work it out so they, they come together as one in front of the children. To see a dad that says, I'm the head of the house, and how I show that is I get on my knees at the end of the day and I do my prayers, and you're going to do the same thing. And I grew up, my dad uh, went to a Lutheran church, and my mom went to a Catholic church, and us kids were raised Catholic. And I brought my dad into this church when John married us, and he was a little old feeble man about, by that time he's about yay high. And we sat him back there, and he looked around, and he's like, this is just like the church I was in as my childhood. And I'm like, he never talked about his past. And apparently... The neighbors, because his family didn't go to church, took the effort to pick him up and brought him to church every Sunday. Can you imagine how beautiful that is? Can you connect with that? The relationship in that is amazing. My dad is in a family like, like I am where everybody's working out on a farm and the neighbors stopped by and picked up my dad and brought him to church on Sunday. And it was a church just like this. And for my dad to hold back that awesome story until he's like 900 years old was a trickster that he just was. But I loved it, and it was very powerful. So, so here I am today. So you would have thought I was in such good soil that I would have accepted Jesus Christ at the age of seven and never had sinned again. Okay? But my before story is nothing like that. My before story is I had great parents. I had a great family. I had a great community. We did our prayers, and yet I still did fall away. And I fell away hard, and I fell away for a long time. 
And it was nasty and it was icky. And I don't even want to come out and, I don't even want to play it out in my own mind it was so bad. You know? When you talk about the hole in your heart, totally connect with that. And somehow, don't you think it still doesn't quite get it? It's even worse than the hole in the heart. There's something even worse. I mean, it's just terrible. And then, and then one day, I'm living in sin, up the hill, right? So here we are in St. Bonnie, and over there and across town is what, Holiday Gas Station? And there's, there's a hill up there, and I'm living in a little house up on that hill, and my girlfriend who I'm living in sin with says, let's get married. And I'm like, get married? Why would we want to do that? So she convinced me, and then her and I hold hands, trolley right on down here to the parsonage, and I come to a church, I come to this church where people put their time and effort into helping out the community and helping me, and helping me find my way back, and find my way back in a way that I didn't expect. He, didn't, he thought I was a faker. I'm pointing right at him. Look at him nod. He thought I was a faker, and I probably was a faker. But the good Lord had work for me to do, and he had called me. I, when they say that God brings you to Jesus, there's no lie in that. That is a truth. You know? I got pulled back in. I walked down here holding hands with my girlfriend, living in sin, and this one right here says, well, wait a minute, before we all get married and stuff, you're going to have to get some stuff straightened out here. This living in sin doesn't work for me, did it? It doesn't work for this church. It doesn't work for this community. It doesn't work for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it ain't going to work for you. Weren't his exact words, but that's all I felt. You know, I was condemned. Mm, am I getting cotton off or what? Mm. Mm. So... John says, you've got to change your ways. Some things have got to change in how you're living. He was right, and they did change, and I did change them. And my life started to get a little better. Can you believe that? Now, when I was a kid, guys, I read the Bible. I was a little Catholic boy. I read the Bible. I studied the Bible, but I didn't feel the Bible. There's so much love in it. There is so much love in that Bible. I appreciate it. By the way, that duet was beautiful. Oof. Man, was that nice. So, I'll have to get myself back on track. I'm not going to cry. Okay. Thank you. See what I say about this church? This is fertile soil, and they water their plants. Couldn't pass that joke up. So, here I come trolleying down to this church. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into, and that isn't, that isn't by accident. That's the way God works. Right? Next thing you know, I'm reading my Bible again. And I read the Bible as a kid, but I didn't feel the Bible. I didn't read it the way I read it here. I didn't ask myself these questions. What was that like for Peter, this angry little guy? 
And what was it like for James and John? And what was it like for them? And what was their life like? And how did they struggle? And you know, how did all of this? I didn't read it like that when I was a kid. It was like a memorization game, right? And I was not the brightest kid. I thought about bringing you my Catholic grade schools where it showed I got D's all the time. D, D plus, Ooh, D plus, pretty good. So I studied and I studied back then. But now when I study, I don't study to take the test. I study to get a, a better relationship with Jesus Christ, my Savior. There's a big difference. I'm not studying to get the D plus up to a C minus. I'm studying because I want to know more about Jesus. And I don't get it just out of the Bible, by the way. I get it in this church. He doesn't work just through the Bible. I get it through relationships with you. Some of you put a lot of time, effort, you put your resources into this church, and you had no way to know that I was going to get saved because I was going to come walking down that street holding my girlfriend's hand. You don't know. I didn't know. Right? So where am I now? i got to wrap this up because I had 10 minutes. So where am I in now? I'm in hot pursuit. I look for where Jesus is at work and I want to join in. And to be truthful, some days when I'm feeling crabby, I don't want to join in. But I need to join in. When he's at work, I need to join in. And he is at work in this church. This church is deep in good soil and it knows how to water its plants. So with that, I'll wrap up and I'll just thank you for your time. Thank you, Adam. Good story. And it was true. He came into my office and he was just the greatest guy in all the world. I said, you're a faker. <laughs> but actually, he wasn't too much of a faker because he is one of the greatest guys in all the world. Thank you. can do anything for you. Looking forward to it. Do I still get my 10 minutes? <laughs> Thanks for being patient. Um, I would like to take you back to April 5th, 1970, where I was seven. It's a Sunday, Sunday morning. You would find me in church. The pastor had already preached on heaven, but I don't remember the details. But after his sermon, he called for an altar time of prayer. An altar call is when Christians were invited to pray together around the altar. It is also a time for non-Christians to come forward to accept the Lord as their personal Savior. After the final amen, my dad made his walk back to our pew and found me crying. Leaning down to ask me, what's the matter? I respond with, I don't want to be left behind. Most attenders were making arrangements to leave the building, but Dad and I walked to that altar where I was met by my pastor's wife, Brenda Evans. We're still in touch today. The pianist noticed and started playing softly. The people stopped talking and took their seats. Brenda led me through what we called the Romans Road to Salvation. She started with Romans 3.10. 
And it says, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. She asked me, again, I'm seven. She asked me if I understood what this meant. And I said, I have to admit that I'm a sinner. Then she took me to Romans 3.23 and read, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. She explained, since no one is righteous except Jesus, and I had already admitted that I was a sinner, that this verse meant that I didn't measure up to God's standards. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. She explained what would happen if I remained in my sin. But God offers all of us his free gift of salvation. I remember Brenda saying something like, you like receiving gifts, don't you? Then she took me to Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't even, well, he knew me, but even before I was a figment of mom and dad's imagination, Jesus was on that cross. He died for me. This is how much Jesus loves us, Brenda said. Jesus chose to die for me. She then asked me if I believed Jesus died for me and would forgive me of my sins. Romans 10, 13, or 10, 9, 10, and 13 says that if we shall confess with our mouth, that's why she asked me that, because we have to confess the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever, no matter the age, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Brenda took the time to show me in the Bible how to accept Jesus into my life. We prayed together. Then I got to tell my dad that Jesus was living in my heart. After this, the song director, the song leader directed all of us to sing, When We All Get to Heaven. I wasn't going to be left behind. When we all get to heaven. And everyone in the church came down the aisle to shake my hand and to welcome me into the family of God. I was so happy. But Satan didn't want me to be happy. He put doubt immediately into my mind. You see, when Brenda was leading me and talking to me about getting saved, she kept calling me Kim. Kim is my sister. I asked Dad if my name would be written down or if Kim's name would be written down twice. My dad told me, God knows your name, Karen. Your name has been written down. Don't let Satan put doubt in your mind. Fast forward over the years, Jesus has walked beside me every day ever since. Not that I'm perfect in any way, but I knew I had Jesus who would and could forgive me when I sinned. And I had many Sunday school teachers 
and ministers who helped me throughout my Christian journey. And I always had my dad. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The same Jesus loves you. Don't let Satan put doubt in your minds. Ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Wow, what a blessing. What a neat opportunity to hear people's stories. I think we should do this every week. Let's say a prayer together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to hear how you have changed lives. A life of a seven-year-old, a life of a 50-year-old, and right in between. Lord, wow, wow. It's exciting to hear these stories. And it's true, maybe somebody here does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And inside the bulletin, it explains what Karen just explained, how you can invite Jesus into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. And maybe someone needs to come down to our altar and say yes to Jesus. Maybe somebody needs to come down to our altar and say some prayer. Maybe we're in, if you remember right, circle three, and we want to get back into circle two. Lord, this is the end of our service where it's really a commitment time, a commitment to say yes to Jesus or to say more to Jesus, whatever it might be. May we not leave here with doing something with our heart because that's the way, of course, you would have it. And Lord, I just thank you so much for these folks that have shared from their heart what Jesus has done in their lives. What a blessing. And in a moment, we're going to sing, I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Minnetrista Baptist Church is a community of Christ followers who value preaching and teaching scripture, biblical obedience, community, prayer, and evangelism. If you'd like to learn more about Minnetrista Baptist Church, please visit our website at minnetristachurch.org and come by for a Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you.